is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is Pastor Rob Chambers of Reedtown Community Church in Newport, Tennessee. It is our earnest hope and prayer that something will be said or done through word or song that will be a blessing to your heart. I've got a promise in my life that one day that last trump's going to sound. You know, the Roman army, and Paul, when he wrote, a lot of times he wrote things that people could understand. The Roman army used three trumps. Uh, when they wanted to move their men or get them prepared to march, the first trump would be to make ready. Church, it's time to make ready. Amen. First trump sounded, Lord's come. Right. It's time to get ready. Sure, second trump was to form up. Church, it's time we form up. It's time we be the body of Christ. And the last trump was to move out. The last trump's the ones coming. And I praise God every day. Uh, reading in Revelation, and, and, and John said, even so, Lord, come. You know, I never could understand that when I was lost. But boy, I can understand it now. Even so, Lord, come. You know, there's a, a lot of times as a preacher... We are called to preach the gospel of Christ, and we are called to preach against sin, and we're called to preach, teach, and exhort with long, long suffering, Paul told Timothy. And, you know, it's tough sometimes to, uh, to just stand here and have to tell people about sin. Uh, but the times that he says, tonight's the night of exhortation, that makes all those times worth it. You know, tonight, it, you know, goodness gracious, Becky sings that song and it gets me tore up every time. <laughs> I just want to praise God tonight. You know, God has done so much for me in my life, and God has brought me from a place in my life that nobody else could. God saw me in my sin and loved me enough to die for me. It wasn't just for you, it was for me. And whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. So many times, so, so many times, I forget that. And you may say, well, preacher, how could you forget that by the way I live? Because if I didn't forgive it, I forget it, it'd be ever before me. And I'd live like it was ever before me. Tonight, uh, God's brought me to Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2. We uh, talk about the Jews. And, and the Bible tells us, it tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that everything that God did where well, the children of Israel was for us to see and understand and to learn from. And God took them through many things. He brought them up out of bondage, just as if we're children of God, He should have brought us out of bondage. The Bible tells us whoever we're brought in subjection to, that's what we're in bondage to. And whether it be any addiction, whether it be people, whether it be things, whatever rules your life, that's what you're in bondage to. And most of us are in bondage to sin. 
the children of Israel were bondage to Egypt, and God brought them up out of that bondage. But they were in bondage to more than just Egypt. They were in bondage to themselves. Because their mindset, they had the mindset of a slave. See, they were the, the people of the Most High God. They had a promise in their life. In Galatians, God it tells about how God had promised Abraham that he and his seed and generations to come, that the promise of the Holy Land and, and for Canaan land and the promised land was to them and his seed. But Paul goes on in Galatians there to say that it says seeds and not our seed and not seeds. See, we many times think that the promise was to the Jew only. When, when God told Abraham the promise is to your seed, he meant his seed, Jesus Christ, according to the Word of God. And every one of us that has accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior through faith, we are the seed of Abraham. We are engrafted into the family of God. We are the children of God. People will tell you all day long that everybody is a child of God. That is not the truth. I became a child of God when God's blood started flowing through my veins through Jesus Christ. The day I was saved, I became a child of God, not until. As Ephesians tells us in chapter 2, until then, I was a, a ch children of disobedience, is what it says. A child of perdition, walking around in this world. But the Lord saved me and made me an heir, joint heir with Christ. One of the family. Peter here, in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 9, I'm just going to read two verses. He says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God's not talking to the Jew there. He's talking to what the Jews said was the heathen. He's talking to the Gentile. He's talking to us. We are that people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your blessing. Father, so many times, God, I've stood in this place, Lord, and Father, you have filled me up and poured me out. God, if there ever be a time where I stand here, Lord, and you're not filling me up, Lord, sit me down. I thank you for your spirit, Lord, tonight that I feel. Father, I pray that every word spoken is according to your will. God, every word spoken is through you and by you and for you. God, I pray tonight people see you and not me. Father, I'm nothing and you are everything. God, I pray tonight that you glorify yourself because, Father, you deserve it. You are the one, Father, that deserves all glory and honor and praise. Lord, I pray that somehow we could bless you tonight. Free your children, Father, I pray, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Fill them up with your spirit before we leave this place, Lord. God, let us be a people who has the praises of your name on our lips continually. Lord, I thank you for every blessing. Father, for every mercy and for every grace you've shown me in my life. 
Lord, and I thank you for this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As Rob asked me to preach there three weeks ago, and I sat down and I said, okay, God, show me. And It's been about three, three weeks ago to a month, I guess, and he showed me these scriptures. And, and to be honest with you, I still don't know how I'm going to preach this to you. I know what God's shown me, and I know what I understand out of it, but I don't know exactly how I'm going to convey that to you. So tonight, I pray tonight that God would show you. Because I don't have, I'm not a very smart man. You know, I, I've, I'm kind of like Moses. I'm always saying, send Rob. Moses said, send Aaron. Rob's a good speaker. But I hope tonight that God can bless you. And when I studied through these, you know, I never really got the meaning of what God was trying to tell me, who I am right here, a chosen generation, a holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, until I broke that back down into the Greek language. See, a lot of times when you break things into the Greek language and you go back to the original translation, the word changes just a, diff just a little bit. Not that it changes the meaning of what uh, the King James Version was translated but it gives it a more clear, a better, and a stronger understanding of who we are. He said there, we are a chosen generation. That word chosen is akletos, which means selected, and generation is genos, which means kin or family. So the first thing we need to understand tonight is we are a chosen family. We were selected into God's family by God. Now, there's a lot of people that are going to tell you in this world about predestination. I've sat down and talked to a lot of people that have tried to convince me that God picks out who He wants to go to heaven. I do not believe that. And the very scriptures that they'll use to talk, talk to you about that are right here in Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, which are kept by the power of God through faith and salvation, and ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, understand... When it says they're elect, according to the foreknowledge of God and Father, people say that and they'll say, okay, God believes in pre-election of people. That He'll pick this one to be saved and these to be lost. But if you do that, you have to discount the other part of the Bible. Which says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That it doesn't matter if you're Greek or Jew or Gentile or whatever, that we're all children of God. It's not according to race, color, creed, nationality. It's not even according to who your family is, your mom and dad, or who your papa was. It's by the grace of God. And it's a free choice to anybody that wants it. All you have to do is get on your face, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and let Him exalt you in due time. That's what the Bible says. Repent. Repent for salvation. It's that simple. People want to make something out of it that it's not. Again there in chapter 1 verse 18, it says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb of without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you." 
who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope may be in God. Understand what it says right there, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the earth. That is the predestination. God predestined every bit of man to be saved through Jesus Christ. When it says, in the beginning, God. It's the plural. It's Elohim. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And all of them were there. And before the beginning of time, God preordained that Christ would die on the cross for me 2,000 years later. That's the only predestination that the Bible teaches. And we all, it tells us, it tells us so many times in the Bible that God is long-suffering towards us that none should perish, that all should come into repentance. God has chosen us through Christ, through that seed, that seed from Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17, God promised the children of Israel there. He said, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed forever. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. That's what he promised Abraham. But notice he said there, to thy seed. We, as children of God, have a promised land. Just like the children of Israel wandered around in 40 years to get into Canaan, we're wandering around down here for an unknown length of time, whatever God's will is, but i got a promised land to come. As we sang tonight, one of these days, praise God, I'm going to rise. And when I rise, I'll cross over that Jordan and I'll find my promised land because my promised land is not here. We're strangers and pilgrims in this world, according to Peter. My home's in heaven. That's my promised land. And that's why we are in the family of God. That's why God has blessed us together. That's why God has predestined everybody to be saved through Christ so that where we were one at one time and by one man Adam, sin came into the world. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, grace came into the world and we can all be united one more time with God in heaven. That's predestination. And that's the family of God. There are no second-class citizens in heaven. God will not prefer a Jew over a Christian. Because, I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's not going to be a Jew in heaven. There's going to be children of God. And we're all going to sing one song. The book of Revelations talks about that one song. The, the glory and honor and praise to the one that's redeemed us by His blood. And when the children of God sing that song in heaven, it'll be such a great thing that even the creative beings in heaven will fold their wings and bow their heads, and we shall be the praise of God at that time. That's what being in the family of God is. And I praise God that one day He saw fit to adopt me. See, I didn't adopt God. God adopted me. It's His salvation. And it's He that keeps me in His salvation. He tells us there that you are a chosen generation. He said you're a holy nation. Holy, the word there being hagion, which means sacred or set apart for God, and nation being ethnos or race. We are a race set apart from God. 
Now, when we hear that word nation, we think United States of America. When we hear that word nation biblically, we think, well, the nation of Israel. But what Peter's saying here, we are a totally different race. We are a totally different people from everybody else on earth because we were changed when we were saved. We became different. And that's why it doesn't matter if you're black, white, red, yellow, green, or pink polka dotted. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a child of God. And let me tell you something right here, children of God. If you can't worship with somebody that's of a different color, there's a problem between you and your God. Because we're all of one race. One race in the eyes of God. God truly is not a respecter of persons according to the Word of God. And we are all one race under God. He told the children of Israel in Exodus 19, 5 and 6, he said, If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then shall you be a peculiar treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak to the children of Israel. In other words, he's saying each one of you, each one of you will be set aside for me. You'll be sacred to me. You'll be of a race of all your own you'll truly then be created in the image of God in His race and nature. See, that's the whole thing about a race. A race isn't a color. A race is a nature. And by our nature, we're sinful. But then through Jesus Christ, by nature, we're changed. Righteousness is imparted into us, and then we become something that we couldn't before. Part of the Holy Family. A peculiar race. You know, when we talk about being prejudiced, you know, there is a time for prejudice. I know that make a good wave in the congregation. There is a time for prejudice. Because the world will tell you, and I see these bunker stickers all over on cars that say coexist. But I have to I have to acknowledge Buddha. Or I have to acknowledge the Hindus and the way they worship. Or I have to acknowledge the devil worshipers as a religion. Or I have to acknowledge even the Jew as a religion. I'll tell you right now, I do not have to coexist. I live for the one true God. The one living God. And I refuse to recognize any other God. Because there will be no more gods before me. There is one true God. And I refuse to back down or coexist with any other God. Because my God, my God is the God of the children of Israel. My God is the God that hung on the cross. And my God is the God that will step on the cloud on the eastern sky and with the trump of the archangel and a shout and say, Children, come home. And it's my God, it's my God that I'll be transformed into the image of Him. That's the one true God. Many people will tell you that, and Colossians will tell you in chapter 2, verse 8. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of sins, of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, 
buried with him in baptism, where also ye are risen with him through faith and the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. When somebody tells me that I have to do this or I have to do that to be forgiven or if I have to pray to this or I have to pray through Mary, if I have to pray to Buddha, if I have to do this. Colossians tells us there's one God and He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And there's just one that sits at the right hand of the Father that makes intercession for me. And my prayers are through the name of Jesus Christ. And that's the only name given among men whereby we may be saved, according to the Bible. It's the only name that can be truly, truly glorified in this world. There's no other name. And I don't need nothing else. I don't need traditions. I don't need the law. I've got grace. Now that doesn't mean that I'm not obedient to the law. Because there's forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 tells me yeah. if I confess my sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive me from all sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Yeah. Grace through Christ. And in him, there's nothing else I need. Anything else is legalism. It's that simple. I've stood behind a pulpit before and I've said, if you've not read your Bible this week, there's something wrong with you. You're not right with God. That's not my call to make. That's between you and God. You know, if you've not prayed this week, there's something wrong with you. Well, maybe there is, but that's not my call to make. That's between you and God. You receive grace just like I receive grace. And the hardest part for a Christian is to understand is not receiving grace, but passing grace along to everybody around them. It's easy to point. But it's harder to acknowledge. Folks, we are a holy nation. You know, God told the children of Israel, He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, I will return to them and heal their lands. Notice what he said, my people. He didn't say the heathen. He didn't say the Edomites or the Amalekites or the Jesuits. He said, if my people, if one person on the church got on fire for God, it could change a church. If one church in the community got on fire for God, it would change the community. If one community would get on fire for God, it'd change a state. And if one state would get on fire for God, it'd change a country. And praise God, if one country, United States of America, would get on fire for God, we could change the world. But we first got to realize we are a chosen race. We are a chosen race. He says a peculiar people that term peculiar people uh, if you translate it literally it's leos as peripoesin which means people for the purpose of his possession people let that sink in people for the purpose of his possession does that describe you 
Does God possess you? We a lot of times give Thomas a bad rap, Doubting Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas because he doubted. And I'm going to be honest with you. I love each and every one of you. But if you came running to me and said so-and-so has raised from the dead, I'd doubt you too. But when Thomas saw, nobody had to tell him. And he fell on his face and he said, my Lord and my God. First, my Lord. He addressed who he was in relation to who was standing before him. And my God, he addressed who was standing before him in relation to him. We need to begin to have that attitude again. Not only a God that we carry around in a little hip pocket that we pull out and rub every once in a while when we need something, but we are a people of possession. We have a Lord, a person that we are supposed to serve with singleness of heart to be possessed. When we think of possession, we think of demonic possession. God is supposed to be inside of us. Possessing our every step. We're called to bring every thought into submission to Christ. Does God possess us? Does He possess our actions? Our attitudes? Oh, there's a good one. People don't like to talk about attitudes, don't they? Because most Christians have a stinking attitude, just to be honest with you. Because we walk around like sourpusses all the time. If I had a mirror right now, you might see some. We should be the most joyful people in the world. We ought to be able to jump for joy. Coming into the house of God, we ought to skip in and fly out. But most of the time, we're not on a pew. We are people for the possession of God. People that are in the hand of God. Jesus said when he prayed in the garden, he said, Lord, I thank you for these that you put in my hand, Lord. And I thank you that no one could pluck them out. The devil himself can't even pluck them out. The only thing that can get you out of God's will is you. Because God possesses you. You're a peculiar people. People for the possession of God. In Deuteronomy, he told the children of Israel, he said, Thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Do you understand that God has chosen you, person, unto himself? Chosen you, not for a religion, but for a relationship. To commune. To be a part of your life. God chose you for that. And if we are people of possession, folks, we need to be that people. And John 10, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them to them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. If my sheep shall hear my voice, and they won't follow another, then praise God, we ought to be a people for the possession of God. And if we are truly a people for a possession of God, we'd be about God's business. 
How many of us have lost loved ones? How many of us prayed about our lost loved ones this week? Praise the Lord. How many of us went and talked to our lost loved ones this week? Hands go down quick. How many of us have just took the time to explain salvation? Or just said that's the preacher's job? We're all a peculiar people. We're all a possession of God. He goes on to say, and this is my favorite. If I had to pick one that I want to be more than any other, it would be this one. A royal priesthood. Royal, bacillus, and kingly in nature, and priesthood. Here at Ume, which means a sacred, sacred order. We are kingly by nature and a sacred order. You know, when God gave the law, he chose the Levites to administer that law. They were his sacred order. And a lot of people will look up to the pastor of a church and say, well, he's like the Levite. It's up to him to administer all the sacred things of God. Pastor doesn't live with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Men, you are to be the priest of your house. Men, you ought to stand up and be the spiritual leaders of your house. There was a time in the Bible back in Abraham's time when the head of the household was the priest. Literally. And I'm talking figuratively, but you ought to be the one that gets everybody else out of bed on Sunday morning and says, we're going to church, we'll serve him no matter what happens. You ought to be the one that's the first one on your face at night praying. You ought to be the one leading the Bible study in your house at night with your kids explaining the word of God. The book of Titus tells us that how the older men should instruct the younger and how the older women should instruct the younger women how to be chaste. Women, you are responsible when the man ain't home. You're supposed to teach the kids at home. We're to be the priests in our own house. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to bind the law of God and the word of God to the doorposts of our house. Do we have the Ten Commandments hanging in it? If people walked into our house, would we know it was they would they know by what's hanging on the wall it's a Christian home? I remember growing up, and I had to pick on my mom and tonight. If I pick on don't pick on her for I leave, she'll think something's wrong with me. What was that stuff they called home interior? Well, we had ducks and plants and and what none of it really is all this little gold leaf stuff and it was hanging everywhere, candles and sconces is that what they're called had that stuff hanging everywhere and we still do today have you got a picture of Jesus hanging in your house what's the most important thing in your life I'm sure you got a picture of your family hanging there do you have a picture of Jesus folks if we are that royal priesthood, we ought to be able to administer the sacraments of God. 
Could you tell somebody how to accept Christ as their Savior? Could you lead them in prayer? Do people come to you and say, pray for me because I know as you're getting through, your prayers are being heard. Do people see you that way? In Exodus, he told Exodus 28, he said, Take, take unto the Aaron thy brother and his sons with him and among the children of Israel that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Ithamar, Aaron's sons, which became the Levites. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5 if you would. Starting in verse 5, it says, And so also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but that he said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to be save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet he learned by he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God and high priest at the order of of Melchizedek. Now if you don't know who Melchizedek is, Melchizedek is the one that Abraham in the Old Testament would take his sacrifice to. Melchizedek was a king, but he was also a priest. And since Melchizedek, there has not been the two combined. There has never been a king that was a priest. Uh, David was not a priest. Solomon was not a priest. Saul surely wasn't a priest. The only one that was truly a king and a priest is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was truly, since Melchizedek, the only king and priest. And God has told us that we are a royal priesthood. We, according to Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, God has called us to be His kings and priests. We are called to be that royal priesthood. Kings through Jesus Christ. Priests through Jesus Christ. Kings through Jesus Christ by our nature changing and being made joint heirs. If so be that we suffered with Him, we'll be glorified with Him, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. We ourselves have been got the blood of Christ running into us. We are kings, but we're also priests, not by our own righteousness, but by the righteousness that was imparted to us through Jesus Christ. That's what makes us righteous. That's what makes us good. That's what makes us approved to God. That's what truly, praise God, makes us Priests at the order of Melchizedek through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not by me, not by church, but by the grace of God. Each one of us, not just the preacher, each one of us are called to be priests of God. Each one. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 there, he talks about that. He says, Ye also as lively stones are built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God by Jesus Christ. We each one are to be singing and glorifying God in our lives as if we were priests. Our spirit bears witness that we are the children of God. 
Book of Romans tells us that. We, we are to be the sons of God. Flip over there. I'm going to take you again that place too. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, he tells us there. In verse 15, he says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Have a Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children of God, and if then children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, and so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. If we are going to be kings and priests up there, praise God, we better be kings and priests down here. Church, this is what God has called us and made us. You may say, well, I don't feel like that. Well, it doesn't matter what you feel. Salvation is not about feeling anyway. Salvation is about knowing. And you should know. You should know that God has made you a royal priesthood. But look at the rest of that. Why is this all important? Verse 9. What does it matter? What title you put on it? What does it matter that you should show forth the praises of him that hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which have not attained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. See, in the Old Testament times, if you were not a Jew, you could not be saved. You were doomed to hell. You had no mercy. You were not called a people. You were called a heathen. But now you're called the people of God. You would have been in darkness, but now you have been called into that marvelous light. So what should we do? We should show forth the praises of Him who hath called us out of that darkness. We, if we're going to be kings and priests, should lead in praise to God. We, want to, we should be the first one to stand up at the table and say, let us pray. We should be the first one when it says, choir, get up. We ought to run up to praise God. And if you can't sing, you ought to sit back here and praise God. Because the Bible said didn't put any prerequisite on it. He just said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. If you sat behind me, you know I can't sing. But I can praise God. And I can not only praise God with my lips, but I can praise God with my life. By the way I live, by the way I deal with others, by the way I walk for God. If I walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, then my life is pleasing to God. That is what being a king and a priest here is. And that's what praising God is. It's not just when you come in the four walls and the ceiling and sing Amazing Grace. Praising God is 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Folks, we so many times fall short just like I told you when I started because I forget I forget what God has done for me all this he made me from something that wasn't worth saving to begin with and he's done the same for you let me ask you we came into God's house tonight in body, if not in mind. We came in and we sat down and we sang, beautiful singing. Becky sang, beautiful singing. 
Tony spoke. We had a prayer room beforehand. Did you truly praise God in that? Or did you go through the motions of it? See, because you can just slide through church and go through the motions and slide right back out that back door. You'll get out of God's house what you put in God's house. Jesus said, if they're not going to praise me, the rocks would cry out. Folks, I'm not going to let anything give my praise to God. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to worship in spirit and in truth. I'm going to be everything God wants me to be or do my best to try. And you know what? I'm not capable, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's going to be times when you don't feel like coming to church. There's going to be times when you don't feel like praising God. There's going to be times when you're hurt and when you're scared. And there's going to be times when you're troubled. You know what? Hitting that altar right there and pouring yourself out before God is as much a praise as singing. If you'll just quench not the Holy Spirit. Whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. So I ask you tonight. Did you praise God? First commandment. Greatest commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your strength, and all your mind. Did you do that tonight? Or did you just get the check mark for showing up? How do we honor God? How do we show others God? How are we set apart? Folks, God doesn't put you in a shroud or give you a crown here. God doesn't make you strong and tall like Saul where he stood head high above everybody else. David doesn't make you beautiful to look at like you know God made him. What separates you from the world is your praise. Through the blood of Christ, your praise. That's how people tell a Christian. Sister Carol, would you come and, and play? Tony, whoever, whoever does that. Tammy, I'm sorry. <laughs> I came to encourage you. These are all things God made you. If He saved you, He's made you these things. Automatically. You didn't have to ask. It's how we exercise them that counts. Don't let anybody ever tell you you're not worthy. Stand if you would. Don't let anybody tell you. You know, I, I've done youth revivals around here lately. and You know, there's ways that those kids worship that I don't necessarily agree with. But that's between them and their God. And you know what I've learned? Never to discount anybody's worship. It's not for me to choose what ways to worship is right for you. Some people shout, some people holler, some people cry, some people, it's all different. But you know, at some part, if you worship in God's house, you'll move in some way. At least roll over when you're snoring. And that's the way it is. So I ask you tonight, truly in your heart, did you worship God tonight? Or did you just go through the motions? We pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us up. 
God's not going to fill you up till you open the valve. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray, God, your will be done tonight. I pray, Father, that you'll go into each and every heart. Father, in each and every life. And Father, it's not just about worship here, Lord. It's about worship out there. Father, if we're not doing it out there, God, I pray that you'll convict us. Me first, Lord. If we don't, if our co-workers don't see our worship, how are they going to want you, Lord? If our family doesn't see our worship, Lord, how are they going to want you? Father, I pray in my life, God, that you'll just help me, Lord, every day to worship you in spirit and truth. Father, I pray that your spirit come, Father. I pray you bring conviction where your will is, Lord. And I pray that you'll bring, Father, a feeling of peace and love, Lord, where you've been praised. But God, let us all leave this place obedient. Lord, we know your word says obedience is better than sacrifice. Let us all be obedient to you tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed our podcast presentation. If you would like more information about the church or any additional podcast, please join us on the web at www.reedtowncommunitychurchpodcast.blogspot.com. Dot com. That's spelled R-E-I-D-T-O-W-N Community Church Podcast dot blogspot dot com. Thank you and God bless.